0: that when you have an idea, as early as possible, you need to find out if it's an ugly baby or not, and you need to be able to accept it. If it's an ugly baby, drop it. Go do something else. Start a different business, get a new idea.
1: Justin Lair, founder of FiberLight Firestarters is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on
0: the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe,
1: or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is
0: dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe
1: Crane. At Navy Federal Credit Union, we want you to know that we have your back. We've all faced tough challenges individually, but right now, we're facing some together. And the safety of our members, employees, and community is our first priority. Hey, today we're talking with Marine veteran Justin Lair from FiberLight. Justin, before we get to talking about business, entrepreneurship, you got a lot of really cool products, man. I'm a, I'm a product guy, man. I love products because my wife and I sell a lot of stuff on Amazon. But before we get to talking about some of that stuff, take us back, tell us what you did in the Marine Corps.
0: Yeah, so um, from Southern California, I joined the Marine Corps. I went to, uh, I'm a West Coast Marine. Um, then MCT – I joined as as a military police officer, so I um, went to uh, MP school in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And then while I was in MP school, I got selected, me and one other guy out of uh, my class, we got selected for HMX-1, which is uh, the President's Helicopter, um, like Marine One, so the President's Helicopter Squadron. Mm -hmm. We're based out of uh, Quantico, so I um, left MP school. When I graduated, left MP school and uh, went out to Quantico and started my time with HMX. And so that was during the early two thousands. Um, I was there with President Bush, and um, yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I had one of the best jobs in, in the Marine Corps, in in my opinion.
1: You were actually an MP with HMX one. Was yeah. that your, your duties while you were there? Yeah.
0: So my MOS. When I was in MP, MP school, my MOS was 5811, so military mm-hmm. police. And then it actually, when I accepted that assignment, it changed, um, I think it's 6263 or something kind of weird like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Presidential Support Specialist. Oh, uh, okay. And, uh, and so I still wore an MP badge. I was a presidential guard. Um, so we were basically security for the presidential asset, Marine One. Mm-hmm. And everything associated with Marine One on a daily basis. So uh, when the president wasn't around, we were just protecting that presidential asset, Marine One, yeah. fly, flying with it wherever it was going and protecting it, when it any, anywhere it landed on the, on the ground anywhere and, you know, doing all that stuff, which is what we did, you know, most of the time.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because, uh, you know, on the aviation side, I know a lot of pilots that have flown from, a- from HMX-1 and crew chiefs, and you you got to you gotta do at least, you know, one or two tours out in the fleet before you can even be considered to go to HMX-1. But um, I-, I guess there are probably um, some real young Marines in, in other MOSs that are uh, part of the HMX-1 team.
0: That's interesting. I, I guess I never really paid attention to the rank of if there was any young um crew chiefs or the like mechanics and stuff Mm -hmm. um but all all of the security marines are young uh, fresh out of fresh out of mp school and and i actually i would get this question all the time when i'd come back home on leave or i'd talk to a friend or a family member um when i was still in and they would they would always ask me like how how did you get selected for that like why did they pick you and um you know, there's always that rumor that they pick the tall guys and this and that, because I'm 6'4", so mm-hmm. uh, they're like, oh, they picked you because you're tall. And it's like, no, that's not actually true, because there's really <laughs> short guys in the unit too, so it has nothing to do with that. Um, but I, I actually didn't know why they picked me, you know, out of, um, the selection process was crazy. It was like three weeks long, and it was weird, but... um,
1: You never even, like, raised your hand and said, yeah, I, I'll apply for that, or I'll volunteer no, for they that. they
0: made us all apply for it. They didn't give yeah. us an option
1: So they just picked who They wanted it. wasn't even.
0: Well, I went, I ended up going into the recruiting office or like the liaison office, I think is what they called it. But, um, uh, and I asked them like, why do you, who do, why do you pick who you pick? And the answer was actually surprisingly simple. They're like, you know, really after of all the crap we put you guys through during that selection process, all we're looking for is we have to have an opinion. If we think you can actually get a top secret clearance. Um, they're, yeah. we're just looking for character flaws. You need to, you need to, um, not have any debt. You need to not have any like tickets or you couldn't even have been suspended from high school. Cause that's a potential character flaw <sighs> and, and they don't want to bring you to the unit, change your MOS, do all that stuff, bring you to the unit and you sit around for three months with a, with a white badge. Basically you're, you know, do not have your clearance yet. So you can't be around the president's helicopter. So they got you doing all kinds of other crap. And then three months later, your clearance comes in mm-hmm. and they just don't, they don't want, you know, they need a very small percentage of guys that don't make the clearance. So all they're paying attention to is just if they think that you're a good person to, uh, to be able to get the clearance. So that's the reason why they choose young guys, because you haven't had enough time to be alive yet to screw it up enough <laughs> to not get your, you haven't clearance.
1: had enough time to get caught. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, and they don't want people sense. with like
0: a lot of debt, you know, they oh, yeah. were like, if you just bought a brand new car when you got out of boot camp and you went home and you you bought a brand new car, you you were you were not eligible to be selective for HMX, and it was just because if you know you got a lot of debt and you might you you, you know we know the president's schedule, like for the next three months, we know exactly where he's going to be when he's going to be, and so that's some mm-hmm. pretty sensitive information, and so mm-hmm. if you wanted to pay off your debt, so you could you know. A little, live a little bit more comfortable that you might be willing to sell some information to.
1: Yeah. You know. Large, large debts and money problems are always uh, a red flag when it comes to security clearances. So it, it's definitely true. Interesting. Well, and how long you end up, how long did you end up being in the Marine Corps? I
0: did my four and I got out.
1: Okay. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about your transition and what that was like and what you were looking to do and what you ended up doing.
0: Yeah. So I actually started my first business when I was 15 years old in high school. The Marine Corps inadvertently. That? Oh man, that's a whole, that's, that's kind of a long story. Um, I, we were young and immature, right? So, I mean, I was 15 years old. I actually, my best friend is going to
1: jeopardize your security clearance. <laughs> no.
0: It's just kind of silly. It's a little bit embarrassing when I talk about it as an adult, but I mean, as a kid, I was super proud of it. Um, but, long story short, I live with my best friend Actually, he lived with me um that's a whole nother story too, but he's my best friend. We lived together um after it's like towards the end of summer uh, end of freshman year, going into sophomore year, and we all we would do at night when we like were laying down and go to bed, he would lay on the floor I'd lay in the bed, and we would just um talk and we wanted to figure out we went to a giant high school there's like seven thousand kids in a high school and so wow um we wanted to figure out what we could do to become the most popular kids in school which is freaking stupid but that was our motivation
1: it sounds like the beginnings of facebook
0: yeah yeah <laughs> and so um we came up with the idea we both liked music and just this and that and 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 parties high school parties was a big thing we wanted to make sure that we were able to be invited to and so we decided that we were going to start a dj company so that nobody could have a high school party without inviting us because they all wanted music to be played at the high school party so Mm -hmm. we would be the ones that they would call we'd be the first ones invited right and we'd be the most important people at the party because we would be the ones playing the music yeah and so we started a DJ company. We raised some capital. Um, long story short, before the end of my senior year, we were actually making more money than our teachers were. Um, Dude, that and is just, awesome. Yeah, we were killing it. Um, <clears throat> I love and that story. Yeah, it was it was cool. The just the motivation is kind of silly, but um, <clears throat> not, but I mean not it was really. true. I mean, it, but, yeah, it, it was obviously it was totally worked. True. I mean, yeah, was it worked. Itch. We were like we were super successful, and that planted this just seed that still grows today that I cannot turn off. Um so anyway, I decided to join the Marine Corps. My best friend decided to go to go to college, get a business degree. And we thought that we could still run the business you know, after going off to the Marine Corps and, and college, but um we quickly shut the business down mm-hmm. because that was that was impossible. But um so because of that, I knew that when I was going to get out of the Marine Corps, I knew that I was going to start a business. Yeah. And that, that, and the fact that I wanted to get married and, ha- and have a family and I didn't want to, um, go and get, I don't mind going to war and getting killed all by myself, but, uh, going like saying goodbye to my family and my kids and my wife, um, and then going off to war and leaving them, that would, that would break my heart. So mm. that was the thing that was my determination if I was going to stay in or not. So I would always tell myself, well, if I could figure out a way to be okay with that, then I'll stay in. But if I if I can't, then I'm going to get out. And so I fell in love with uh, uh, my wife, I'm still married today. We went to high school together, um, but um, we fell in love, and and I wanted to get married. And this is just a couple of months before I was going to get out, and so I decided to get out. But I knew that I was going to start a business. As soon as, that's all I thought about during my time in the Marine Corps Mm -hmm. is, um, holy crap, I barely make any money. I made more money than this when I was 16 years old. (laughs) And, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I knew that when I got out, I was going to start a business. So
1: So you really weren't looking for a J-O-B, uh, coming out after four year enlistment. You were, you knew you were going to be starting something. You might not even know what it was, but you, that's what you, that was what your path.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have a funny, you know, I've started this, my, my, this is my kind of MO. I start a business. I build it up. I usually fall out of love with it. Then I sell it. Uh Then I go get a corporate job and I work that corporate job for a little bit while I start a new business and I build a new company. Uh Then I quit the corporate job. Once that company can sustain me, then I build it up until I fall out of love with it. I sell it. I go get a corporate job. That's been my mo. I've done that seven times since the Marine Corps.
1: No kidding. <clears throat> <Yeah>. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm still fighting that coronavirus. But uh, <laughs> hey, don't feel bad about that because that's not like a character flaw.
0: No, no. I actually that's the way I, I. I didn't. I didn't. It's not like I planned that out. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's just how it is. And I, I'm a big proponent to like. I don't start companies with debt. I I have no problem whatsoever like the do whatever it takes to get the company started I'm all in. I will absolutely go get a freaking crap job. Yeah pay pay some bills just so I could build the business I have no problem whatsoever. I've never had to go do that. Like go just get a crap job I've always been able to get you know, I get out and I usually like Have a great great job getting hired somewhere
1: yeah, but uh, I heard Chris Ducker is like this big online entrepreneur guy. And uh, I, I it never really dawned on me that I was kind of the same way until I heard him explain, talking about himself. And he said he's a creator, he's an inventor, he's an entrepreneur, he likes building things. And so he bring, gets a business up and running up until the point where it's making money and now it just needs to be properly managed. And mm-hmm. he, says, he says, I'm not a manager. I don't mm-hmm. like to manage things. And so at that point, he turns it over to people, sells it, brings in people and hires them. And then they yeah. manage the business. And then he goes back and starts over again. And yeah. um, I definitely you know, that's think that definitely, that's a
0: trait. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is something that I feel because that part is super easy. Um, I think of business ideas all the time. Um, and so that, and, and I, and I, I'm able to really quickly analyze and like, like think about the next 10 years with that idea and like play that thing out. I could do that really quickly in my brain. And, um, but I mean, I, I don't overwhelm myself. I just have one business at a time and I'm totally fine
1: with that. Um, I'm surprised you're able to do that because that's, uh entrepreneurs, creators, the, the the shiny new object syndrome is like, uh, you know, the kiss of death for so many of us. Cause we just grab on to the newest little thing before we finish the other thing we've already got started.
0: I used to be like that. Um, and maybe I still am to a point, but it's the success that, that focuses me. So as it, it's when it's either I'm worried about it, not working or I, I hit some sort of a speed bump that I don't know how to get over that's when i start seeing new shiny new objects right but when when the success starts to ramp up that focus really starts to pinpoint and it doesn't it's not hard at all for me like like the business i have right now is the fastest of profitability it's the most successful business i've ever run um and that i've ever created and um And so I'm super hyper-focused on this thing. The, the only new ideas that come into my brain are just new SKUs that I'm adding, new products that we're adding to the product line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, new, new sales channels, you know, um, stuff like that. So it's not like completely new ideas that are coming in to distract me. And the only reason why I ever fell out of love with uh, the others, and I'm, I don't think I'll ever fall out of love with this one, um, is because they were all service-based businesses. So I, I had to work, uh, you know, whatever, whatever I was selling, it was work for me to do, whether it was me mentally or physically working. Um, and I just, I would just get tired of it. I yeah. would just get, you know, <clears throat> it just wasn't fun anymore. And then, uh, I'd sell it, but this is my first venture into retail and manufacturing, and uh, it's a good one, man.
1: Hmm. All right, Justin, hold, up, hold that thought. And we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uncertainty comes in many forms in military life, from unexpected changes in duty stations to sudden deployments. We've all faced tough challenges individually, but right now we're facing some together. We know our members will face these times head on. Still, at Navy Federal Credit Union, we want you to know that we have your back because uncertain times call for reliable service. No matter what, We remain committed to serving all of our members all the time. That means our branches will remain open as long as possible. And the safety of our members, employees, and community is our first priority. You can also get in touch with our world-class member service. Whether you're on ship or ashore, at home or abroad, we've had our members' backs for 87 years, in good times and bad. Maybe that's why we've been named one of the best military credit unions by U.S. News and World Report, serving active duty, veterans, and their families. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission insured by NCUA. i right, are back to talk with Justin Lair with Fiberlight. And Fiberlight your company is actually a fire starter company. So tell us how you got to got into the fire starting business and how you started uh Fiberlight and where you're at now.
0: Yeah, so um, I it was kind of, this is weird. I, I actually had just sold a business down in Southern California and I and I I made a, a fatal error in that one. And, uh, I was, I was rather disappointed in myself and, and I kind of, I kind of thought maybe, you know what, maybe I'm just done owning businesses and I'm just going to go get a normal job and like live a normal life. Had a good amount of money in the bank and we moved up to this small little town up here in Southern Oregon. And, um, I went, and i got a job at the local wood mill which is what everyone here does <laughs> and you know it's a it's a union job and it's got great benefits and retirement and all that stuff and uh, it didn't take but about a week and um <laughs> i i had already started a new business yeah and so what happened was at that wood mill there's they make um they take wood chips and they grind them down into this like cotton it's very similar to cotton, but it's just 100% wood, hmm. and uh, and then they make um, siding that goes on the side of your house. Yeah. And that fiber uh, goes everywhere, and they got to clean it. You're constantly cleaning because uh, it could be very explosive and very hazardous to you know flammable, all that stuff. Um, and so they they're constantly cleaning and they're constantly throwing away. Just tons of this fiber because if it gets out of the machine onto the ground, it's trash. Hmm. So, um, I would take, I, I saw this fiber and I'm like, wait, 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 there's something, they're just throwing that stuff away. There's something I could do with that. And, uh, so I took some home. I just like stole some basically and, um, I took it home. I started playing with it and started just adding stuff to it and just making these concoctions. And I, um, I ended up making this stuff and lighting it on fire and it was, it was it was awesome, and so I was like, this is pretty cool, I think I could I think I could turn this into a business and mm-hmm. so um so yeah, that's what I did, and then now we've it started that was just a round can of fiber the first year I didn't even sell anything to light it on fire with. I just sold the fiber,
1: yeah, <clears throat> and so like we was like would you dump out like a like it looked like a little pile of salt sawdust when you we're getting ready to start a fire with it or was it like a solid piece of wood that you'd formed?
0: No. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of like a jerky chew.
1: Oh,
0: so, um,
1: kind of flexible.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, you just grab a pinch of it out of there. Uh Um, it's loose. It's, it's, but it's not like, you know, there's wax in there. So it, it kind of, makes it want to clump together but it's very it's very loose but it's not Mm -hmm. loose like sawdust it's just going to blow away in the wind because that that doesn't happen yeah um so you just grab a pinch of it kind of like chew you know if you're going to grab a pinch of chew and put it in your lip same thing um and then you know light it on fire uh and it'll burn you know it's got long burn time five to ten minute burn time on one pinch you get anywhere between 10 and 30 fire starts out of each can Hmm. depending on how much you use it's super lightweight it's completely waterproof yeah, there's just all kinds of crazy stuff going on with it. So it just works extremely
1: well. Well, that's all. Awesome. So that, that was your first product. Now, what year was that? How long ago was that?
0: That was 17.
1: Okay. And so how did you, how did you take that to market and start selling it?
0: Yeah. So, um, and this is an important thing. I have an ugly baby thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I want, this is, this is hugely important because I, I get a lot of people, um, come to me and I and ask, they ask me questions about like you know how, how do I start a business or what do I do or what do you think about this. And so I I kind of quasi mentor a handful of people out mm-hmm. there and uh the one thing I see and I just this cannot happen to anybody who wants to start a business. What I'm about to tell you cannot happen. So I got this ugly baby thesis, right? So basically we all have friends or family members that have a new baby. And they constantly talk about how beautiful that baby is. <laughs> but the reality is it's just an ugly baby. Yep. Right? <laughs> and they cannot see it to save their life. And nobody's going to tell them, totally fine. You know, it, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is they're, they're blinded by the amount of love that they have for that child. Mm-hmm. And they'll do anything for that child, and they think it's a beautiful child. Mm-hmm. Everyone else knows that baby's ugly. <laughs> but... It just it just is what it is. I, I tell that story because I, I hope everyone can understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's the same thing with starting a business. You will think like, holy smokes, especially if you're young, if if this is like one of your first businesses. Mm-hmm. When you come up with the idea, you'll be so excited about what you think it's going to be that you will completely be blinded by a lot of the realities that you need to know early on, but you just won't know it. So you need to make sure that when you have an idea as early as possible, you need to find out if it's an ugly baby or not. And you need to be able to accept it. <laughs> if it's an ugly baby, drop it, go do something else, start a different business, get a new idea.
1: Yep. Because there, ugly babies
0: that. just aren't going to, they aren't going to happen. And the worst part about an ugly baby is, you know and i'm not talking about ugly babies in in reality i don't want anyone to get offended by this (laughs) but the worst part about having a bad idea is it will suck the freaking life out of you it will it will take all of your money and it will take all of your motivation and all of your time and it could put you in a super bad spot Um, if you because i've seen it i've seen people dump everything they have into just this, I mean, just seriously, just a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're
1: constantly trying to prove to everybody that it is a good idea.
0: Right. Right. And so what I did when I started FiberLight, um, like January, so I, I developed it in December, 2016. I got the packaging, figured out of how I wanted everything to look and the branding and stuff like that. I officially started the business in in uh, January 2017 and the entire first year that's all I focused on was the ugly baby I would send out free samples to people I would search and scour YouTube and you know all these like Facebook groups and different things for like for outdoor people who did um, gear reviews and they did these different things where they were checking out new gear or at least giving their listeners their audience opinions on certain gear and, um, and I would send it to these people. I would just message them say, Hey, can I send you some stuff free? And then, of course they would always say, yes, I would send it to them. And I would say, I need you to tell me what you think about it. And in that first year without even trying to sell anything, all I was doing was trying to just reveal if I had a beautiful baby or an ugly baby, mm-hmm. I sold 36,000 cans that first year and I sold
1: not gave away.
0: Sold. Yep. And, uh, and I inevitably found out that it's a damn beautiful baby and (laughs) I'm, and it's not me saying that it's, you know, all the reviews and all the, just all that stuff. I've never had a single returned product ever. I've never had a customer purchase something from my website or Amazon and contact me later and say they want their money back. Wow.
1: Hey, I, I have a question: Do you still go back to the same sawmill and pick up their scraps somehow from them, or are you getting your no. fiber from a different source now?
0: Yeah, we get it. We have a specialty, a company that makes it specifically for us. Okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. Like they, they they grind the fiber for us. We we still make the product. We still uh-huh. add what we add to it, and we yeah. infuse it with what we do. Uh, we still package it. All that stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the machine to make that fiber is wicked expensive. And so, um, and, and that machine is designed to pump out like uh, a lot of fiber and, and we don't need very much fiber. So it just, yeah, we, we pay somebody else to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. So first year, what was it? 36,000 cans. Yeah. And so where has it gone from there?
0: It's gone crazy, man. Um, I learned I learned how important trade shows were towards the end of that first year
1: because
0: uh-huh. i was I was beginning to look out and search out and try to get in touch with buyers and uh, this is my first venture into retail, so I had to learn a lot, man, and that's kind of another reason why it's taken longer.
1: Are most of your sales coming from retail online, Amazon?
0: Most of it's wholesale
1: oh really? yeah, wholesale to retail retailers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um so anyway, I found out how important the trade show world was. Um that's where you're going to be able to meet the buyers and talk to all these these people. So I did it that second year I did an entire national trade show tour and we just went on the road for like 8 months straight, mm-hmm. every single weekend doing a trade show.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, which was unbelievably important if you're trying to bring anything to market get on the trade show, uh, bandwagon, huh. <clears throat> you will meet so many people, you will make so many connections. Just to give an example, we went to blade show in October. Um, we picked up eight new retailers at blade show and I made a connection with a, a gigantic company. I uh, can't give too much information about this, but we're mm-hmm. in the middle of uh, an exclusive big box retail um negotiation where they're going to take fiber light to big box retail um through their brand that's already there in all the big box retail That's a humongous brand Mm -hmm. um and it's it's just going to be a multi multi million dollar deal um that that happened because the only reason why it happened is because i went to a trade show yeah
1: so how many how many cans did you end up selling the, the second year and what uh, I guess 2019 would have been year 3 Yeah, right?
0: we've um we've done uh that first year I pay attention to I, I remember that number 36,000 which is not very much but it's a whole lot when you're looking at a brand new product that yeah. I I didn't even try to sell Mhm um but we've we've sold hundreds of thousands of cans and other products um we um we now ex, we expanded when i went on that trade show tour i actually um brought on uh ferrocerium rods so you could like strike them and you get a spark and you light light your stuff on fire so something to light um the the fire starter on fire with mm-hmm. um so we've expanded we have um a good amount of skus now um we have you know, just a whole bunch of different fire kits and different fire making accessories and different tools and things like that. So that's probably been the biggest thing. And in all, all of that together, I mean, we've, we've done, we've done very well.
1: Yeah, oh, it's awesome. So we are getting close towards the end of our time. If you're, uh, how do we, how do we find, how do we find FiberLite?
0: Yeah. So, uh, FiberLight FS, dot com is the website the fs at the end just stands for fire starter i just didn't want to have a super long um, website so sure. fiberlightfs.com you could google search fiberlight fire starters it'll show up um, we're on all the social media as fiber fiberlight fire starters instagram is our biggest you know thing that i pay most attention to um, facebook would be second after that um, and so you could reach us on all that stuff as well
1: Hey, Justin, if you're, uh, if you're talking to somebody that's still in the military or somebody that's a veteran looking to start a business, they really want to get into entrepreneurship, what kind of advice would you have for them?
0: Yeah, so remember the ugly baby thing. You <laughs> need to figure that out as quickly as possible. Um, and then the, here's, the, here's the other thing. I actually have an invention that I invented. It sits on one of my shelves in my office. And um, that, it actually sat inside of a drawer for a long time and, uh, nothing ever happened to it. It still sits there. Uh, I could take that product to market and I could make money with it and I know how to do it now. Um, so it wouldn't be very hard when I invented that product, I didn't know how to do it. So that's why it sat there. Um, and, uh, and I keep that there as a reminder, um, to just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that thing is no one will ever see that product uh, because I didn't do it. You know, it, so that's my reminder. And I, I hope it serves as some sort of a reminder for you for, for like, don't allow fear or your lack of knowledge on a, you know how to do something to stop you. Um, just do it. Reach out to your community your fellow brothers and sisters, veterans that have done it before you. Um, and uh, just ask the questions, get the knowledge and do it. To be honest, to be 100% honest, everything that I've done with FiberLight, from the very beginning all the way up until now, none of it has been hard. There's not been a single hard thing that I've had to do. It's um, looking back, it's all very easy. The hardest part is just figuring out the knowledge like, of how to do whatever, you know, whatever you had to do. So it's all, it's all seriously easy. You could yeah. way overthink this thing, this business thing and how to start a business and all that stuff. It's actually extremely easy.
1: Um, you just have to execute. Quit you just have around. to execute. Quit I mean, if the, the reality sidelines.
0: is you have to you have to have a beautiful baby <laughs> and you have to execute. Cuz if you execute well but your, your baby's ugly, then you're then you're dead in the water. So I mean, mm-hmm. those two things, right? Um, and then, you know, my emails, my personal emails on my website. If you if you um get to a point where you have this great idea or whatever and you don't know what to do and you're paralyzed by the moment, right? Call me or email me. I'll help you.
1: That's awesome. Well, hey Justin, I appreciate uh, sharing sharing some of the intimate knowledge about your business and your products. It's awesome. We look forward to seeing your future success. And uh, you know, thanks for the offer to help out other veterans out there. And you know, if, you, if you're listening and and if you listen to this and you listen to the podcast often, I, I bring this up quite often. There's so many people out there just will bend over backwards to help you out to get going and get started. But what off, most of the time, what doesn't happen is the guy who needs help doesn't reach out. He won't make yeah. the call. Rarely will you ever be told no. If you just you know what's help. crazy
0: is uh, Jeff Kirkham. He's the owner of Ready Man, the inventor and owner of Rats Tourniquet, Rats Medical. Uh-huh. Um, he's also a part of the startup of Black Rifle Coffee. Um, and he's got his fingers in everything, man. He's a, (laughs) he's a part owner of full 30, which is, uh, like a YouTube for guns. (laughs) Um, so anyway, he, he's a big dude. He's a, he's a giant businessman. Very, Mm. very, very successful. Um, I ended up meeting him. He, he came to my booth at PrepperCon in Salt Lake City, Utah two years ago, almost three years ago now. And, um, like, this guy is super Like, I can't even explain. He's extremely busy. Does not have time for just nonsense, right? He's just nonstop work hard um, building these gigantic businesses. And uh, he gave me his phone number. He said, if you ever need anything, call me. And I can't tell you think of a time that I've called him that he hasn't answered the phone. Yeah. Like, um, in his extremely busy life, he takes the time to take my phone call. At that time, as a small unknown business that you know was i was just trying to get this thing started he was taking my calls and and since then we've become partners um where he he his company makes products for our company and my company makes products for his company and um and we talk all the time and he's uh he's a good friend of mine now but his the things that he's done for me in the uh you know advice and things he's helped me with has been invaluable.
1: Yeah. And it's and, weird, uh, you know, cuz guys like that I've I've brought this up many times on the show. It's some weird syndrome or whatever. Now, if you were calling him trying to sell him something, he wouldn't be answering the phone. But if you're calling him legitimately wanting his wanting his knowledge and you need his help for somebody that's yep. extremely successful, one of the few thrills in life that they they can still get out of Doing things, you know, because they've succeeded in everything they've done, they get an extreme amount of pleasure from sharing their knowledge in a way that helps other people, especially people that are like wanting to follow in their footsteps or do similar stuff. You know, they're, yeah. So you always take people up on that, but you know, make sure you're legitimately asking them for their help, and it, and if they give you good advice, you probably want to follow it. You don't want to you don't want to blow it off because then they're probably not going to help you anymore. Right. (laughs) Well, that's awesome, Justin. Well, hey, man, we're out of time. Um, Great episode. I appreciate you uh, sharing your success story with us, man. Look forward to what happens in the future with you.
0: Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you. You take care, brother.
1: All right. These two Marines are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time... This veteran is Oscar Mike.